Hey folks, you know, there's only two things in this world that scare me. One is prepubescent gym rats warming up on my project in front of me. You know, pad sniffers, smell like Skittles, small hands. And the other thing that scares me, lawyers. But Dan Markoff is here to help. Climber, lawyer, Enormacast fan, and partner at Atkins and Markoff, Dan has set up an email hotline to field your inquiries about any type of lawyer you might need. Email climbinglawyer at gmail.com with inquiries. Dan knows this shit scares you too. All right, on to the show. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where you playing it at? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, the big place. That's, it out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed having with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Good weather. Bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Hey, folks. This episode is also brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, Maxim Ropes, and as usual, our friends at Defiant Bean Roasters. Go to defiantbean.com and entry Normo at checkout to get a discount on great coffee. All right, let's see if I can get this thing started again. Hello and welcome to the Normacast. This is your host, Chris Caloose. It is June 4th, about 10.15 Mountain Standard Time, and this is episode 35. No, no, wait, 36 of the Normacast. On today's show, from SplitterChoss.com, BJ Sabara, and local route developer, Mike Schneider. Both of them come on to talk about putting up new routes, putting in bolts, Developing crags and all the things that go along with that, how it looks, smells, and feels. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, I want to remind you guys that there are a bunch of different ways to support the Cast. One way is simply giving business to those sponsors mentioned in the introduction. Black Diamond, DefiantBean.com, Maxim, and Dan Markoff at ClimbingLawyer at gmail.com. All those Different people and companies believe in the show, and they want to help out. But, of course, to close the circle of life, you need to send them your business. So if you need gear, if you need ropes, if you need coffee, or if you need legal help, please consider using the Enormacast sponsors and letting them know that you appreciate their support of the show. Also, consider buying a T-shirt. Haven't brought up the T-shirts in a while. Uh, You can go over to Enormacast.com and click on the T-shirt banner, We'll go straight to adiac.com, that's A-D-A-Y-A-K.com, and pick up a Normacast t-shirts. Get one for grandma, you know, she's probably still a little bit scared of the internet and can't get her own. And finally, if you want to head over to enormacast.com, there is a help out tab with a bunch of suggestions on there, like liking us on Facebook. We did hit a thousand last week, that was exciting. Come join us, come join my minions on Facebook um, a lot of stuff goes on over there, actually, that doesn't necessarily get on the show, so it's kind of fun. 
Also, you can write a review on iTunes. That helps us out. You can tell your friends. Or if you feel like it, you can just kick me down some money by clicking on that donate button. A bunch of listeners are pretty steady with pitching in about a dollar a show, which amounts to about 12 bucks every six months or $24 a year. Consider it a little subscription fee. Can't hurt too bad to give me 24 bucks a year, right? But it helps out a ton, keeps me motivated, covering the cost of the show, all that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing this, but it sure feels good when you guys show your love. Okay, on today's show, BJ Sabara and Mike Schneider are both local root developers, having collectively put up hundreds of roots in the Roaring Fork Valley, literally. I can say literally over a thousand bolts in their time. Yes, and literally is one of those overused and misused words of our time, I think, of the last few years. But I am using it correctly here. Literally. Literally. Thousands of bolts. Uh Uh-oh, somebody over at Super Topo just choked on their double malt scotch. If you guys have ever wondered how those bolts get in there, or how they get up there, or who does all that, and who pays for it, and what they even look like, that's what we talk about on today's show. Oh, and if any of this stuff inflames you, you can, of course, go straight to the source. BJ can be reached at splitterchoss.com, and Mike asked me to pimp his guiding company, glenwoodclimbingguides.com. Mike is a certified AMGA guide, and he might even be willing to take you out and teach you how to put bolts in. So check that out. And check out this episode, episode 36, Choss Wranglers. I feel safe. Yeah. I feel very safe. <laughs> it's funny because Jan Olson was she's mentioned the same thing. I guess I should probably hide it. Yeah. I got some. That's just bird shot. Yeah. No worries. I'm good and, with uh, it. We should go out and shoot some traps. <laughs> Are you? Are you yeah. good with the shotgun? Yeah, I grew up shooting traps. So oh, right on. Just shooting. Period. Where? Iowa. Oh, you're from Iowa. Yeah. We're fellow Midwest. Yeah, boys. totally. No, I'm not. I'm actually not very good. My my. Uh, it's in my blood, but. But I'm uh, of the Calouse boys. I'm definitely the worst shot. But I haven't put the time in. My yeah. dad's a dead eye. Yeah, yeah. He's like nine out of ten. Yeah, wow. yeah. My dad was a dead eye, and so he taught me how to t- shoot. Is he so. deaf in one ear? No. Oh, he's not. No. no my. Dad... He was in the army, and they taught him how to shoot. Oh, cool. No, so. my dad just—he's one of his ears is completely destroyed from that. Oh, really? From shooting oh, birds. Yeah. Really. So it's funny because the last podcast. I guess I should. Every podcast that we do in here is probably going to start with the ammunition unless I put it yeah. away. The last <laughs> one did. Like the same old ammunition <laughs> stick. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so I've invited uh, BJ Sabara, one of my great uh, friends and supporters uh, from splitterchoss.com, over to talk about new rooting, as well as Mike Snyder, another local um, new root person. And um, as you guys maybe remember from listening, the two of you from listening to the show, I tried to do this with uh, Jeff Jackson, actually. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, yeah, we it, talked about that. Yeah, right. To you do try a, to put it in that direction. A show about yeah. putting up new roots because he's he's like I guess of the three of of the people putting up roots, the most roots here, at least around Carbondale. Oh, it's and absurd. Up oh, it's it, the three of you guys. Well, him and Dwayne. Yeah. Oh, and Dwayne. Those yeah. two are like a force of nature. Right. Yeah. And then you go out of the Outer Lands and you've got Dave Pegg. He's also <laughs> yeah. super excited. Yeah. So and then Aki yeah. throws his hat in the in the yeah. game and uh, yeah. and Bill Gibson yeah. out there on yeah, the West yeah. Fortress. So but yeah, we actually we're kind of lucky. We've got a lot of people that are pretty dedicated to um, not yeah. just putting up roots, but like developing whole crags. Yeah, Lynn Sanson's yeah. gotten into it. Right. And, yeah. yeah. There's like a handful of like uh you know other people that do their own work you know like putting roots here and there mm-hmm. yeah Brian mm-hmm. Gall yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah totally yeah. so Some anyway guys but coming nice. up. I wanted to have a show about new rooting a little bit I mean there's all different kinds and I kind of wanted to like maybe start with that like first of all the one thing I wanted to ask you guys what your thoughts were because I've heard all sorts of different ideas about this but you know of, of the percentage of climbers out there what do you think the percentage is that that pretty frequently does new roots. <laughs> like less than one percent for sure i think that's what i would have said yeah one all the way down to one <laughs> less than one yeah. percent bouldering yeah. doesn't really count no it's too easy to put up new boulders yeah, although going out and finding them is, is a whole nother yeah. thing there i mean i i would guess that it actually sort of applies within bouldering that only a, only a few people like do the hiking right in the searching in the scrubbing yeah and the scrubbing and all Getting that the ladder out so well yeah i mean it, it's it's always been interesting in in one thing I'd also like to kind of like clarify is that what we're talking about or what I'm going to be talking about with you guys is what I just said of like not just root development, but full on crag development. And, you know, most people who've been climbing a long time eventually put up a root here and there. You know, they find something to climb that no one's ever climbed before. But I think it's it's part of the mythology or the ethic or like at least when I came into climbing, like even though I never necessarily had it in my mind that I would do it. The idea of doing first ascents is like this big fuel, I think, sure. of climbing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, And it's sort of ironic because then in the end, most of us don't end up doing it. But I think it's part of the mythology of climbing the mountain first or you know, being the first one there is like climbing as part of this exploration thing. But then I start thinking about it. I'm like, well, I haven't put up that many routes. Um, I'm definitely not a big crag developer. I've, I've, I put up, I think, more than 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 a lot of people, but I, I get sort of a bee in my bonnet and do a few now and again. But I've never really gone out and like developed a cliff or anything like that, like you guys do. So, right. um, but let's let let me have you guys sort of talk about your own sort of uh, motivations for for putting up r- new roots. Let's start with you, BJ. You've been climbing how long? Oh, God, probably twenty years or so. Twenty years, yeah. Started doing high school. And was there like some sort of moment when you said you're going to start putting up new roots? It's kind of funny. I mean, I haven't really thought about this much before doing this actual show, but just thinking about it right now, like, I mean, I got a hand drill when I was like in college. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It was kind of just like something I was drawn to. You know, it was like always been like the unexplored and. You know, because like, I mean, just the other night, a mutual acquaintance of all of ours was um, talking about how, why would you put up new roots? There's hundreds to climb. And, you know, there's a valid point in that. And like, I've gone through phases, especially the last couple of years. Last year, I put up very few routes, but this year I've kind of been all about it again. And, you know, I think for me, there's just this huge component of the unexplored. I mean, you know, there's nothing like hiking up to a wall that you think might have a crag and then finding a crag. 
you know, like, and I, it just happened to me again last week where I was like, Hey, you should go check out this wall. And I walk up and I was like, wow, there's going to be some roots here. This is really neat. And, um, so yeah, I think that's a, a big part of it for me is that unexplored, but then there's also this the creative aspect of it. You know, if I hate to call it an art form, but I think for me, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not an artist. I mean, I've done some photography and whatnot, but for me, there's kind of this, this, um, you know, creative outlet, like to take something and, you know, it's this blank canvas and, and sort of work with the features that have been given and envision a line and, and craft it in a way that other people are going to enjoy it. I, I definitely enjoy that process as well. Mike? Yeah. Well, I've been climbing uh, 17 years and I'm not exactly sure how I got into putting up new roots. I spent seven months in Monticello, Iowa, uh, my hometown, living with my parents before I moved to Colorado, saving money to do my student teaching out here. So I think I had a lot of time on my hands. So I bought a hand drill, started practicing, making holes in rocks, my dad's barn. And I was lucky enough to live like five minutes away from probably the best climbing in Iowa, which doesn't say a whole lot, but it says something. And that's where I put up my first route and just literally figured it out on the internet. When I moved to Colorado, I, I was living in Loveland and I, I didn't have any desire to put up new routes, probably because there was so much to do. Right, right. So yeah. much that was new. Uh, but then when I moved to Glenwood Springs, you know, I was definitely intrigued by all the new climbing, but I also noticed that there wasn't that much in the guidebook. And I had high school students who were telling me about thousand foot granite walls and <laughs> all this stuff. And, oh, you got to go check this out. And so I started kind of going out and realized that, oh, there's some really cool stuff. They weren't thousand foot granite walls. I was going to say, wait a <laughs> <Yeah>. second. Are <laughs> oh, you holding out on us? They were slightly point. off on their right. estimation. Yeah. Well, on the height and the type of rock, a lot of it was, <laughs> a lot of it was limestone they were talking about. Sure. But, sure. but uh, yeah, so just kind of, I think I just noticed that there was so much to be done and I enjoyed that process of like finding a new route, finding a new area, mm-hmm. putting in some work and seeing what would come out of it. And then especially when people go and climb it and have a good time, uh, that's, I think a really rewarding part just to be able to share some experience with someone else and help, you know, give someone else a good experience by having a new route to do. Yeah. I think, you know, kind of along the lines of what he just said too, you know, a big thing for me was like moving here and I was working at climbing magazine at the time and hanging out with guys like Matt Samet and Luke Laser, And, you know, we were just kind of like looking around, like Mike said, it was like, it seemed like there was a lot that hadn't been done, you know, like back in, you know, I think he moved here a year before I did, but back then you look through the guidebook and it was, rifle the past the pukes and it was like we're in colorado like, like there's getting... a lot more rock around here mm-hmm. and you know so we just started going to look and you would ask people and they'd be like oh no that's not any good and they hadn't looked at it for sport climbing and you know we all kind of just got psyched at the same time and it was kind of this exciting time you know where it was oh there's this crag over here and it's 15 minutes from town and oh here's this other one that's only a half hour away and different rock types sandstone granite limestone quartzite and it was like this big kind of it just kind of fueled itself too, I think, for especially for me for a while. And then I kind of took a little bit of a break for a while. And then like Mike said, I can remember being at the Narrows, a local climbing spot that actually has over 100 routes now. And Mike and I did stuff up there. And I remember saying to some people, wow, won't it be amazing someday when somebody we don't know comes and climbs up here? Mm-hmm. And now there's people up there all the time that I don't know. I was up right. there with students the other day and it was like, we we're kind of laughing about it, Dave Meyer and I, because we were like, huh, remember when you just used to be us up here? And <laughs> nobody would come up here. And now it's like, I got a guy the other day be like, yeah, this is like one of my favorite crags, which good for you, buddy. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this. This is, um, cause again, I, I sort of want to clarify because if we're talking about 
um, new routing and we're talking about 1% of the climbing population having ever done it. Um, I think there's actually probably a lot of misunderstanding about how things even get done. I mean, in the purest sense, and perhaps in some places of the world still, and, and certainly in the old days, you know, it involved walking up to the, a face with your gear and climbing to the top of it. it was as simple as it gets. You know, maybe not ever putting a bolt in, going back to, you know, when you could walk up to, you know, Serenity Crack and, and climb it for the first time in 1950-whatever. You know, those days of, of first ascending is when we kind of got a lot of these ethics from, you know, in terms of no bolting and using clean gear. Um, although I guess you were allowed to pound pitons for some reason, but <laughs> unless I get in too nitpicky about ethics. But yeah, pounding pitons in the rock, okay. Pounding bolts in the rock. Not okay. Yeah. But uh, around here, you know, and kind of more in a modern age, we're talking a lot about bolting. Both you guys mentioned, you know, that you got a new routing. The first thing you did was got a hand drill um, because that was a conception of how those things sort of got done. Sounds like maybe it was, was but for both of you guys, a product of where you were. Here in the Roaring Fork Valley, the, I've actually been telling people this lately for some reason, and it almost had never occurred to me but that there isn't really a ton of trad climbing in this valley. You know, people think Independence Pass is a trad area, but it's not. No. I mean, there's trad climbs there, but most of the climbs at least have some bolts in them. And yeah. many, many, many of them are totally bolted, even though it's granite. Yeah. It just doesn't tend to crack. Well, and a lot of the trad climbing up there tends to get pretty scary once right. you get into the, the, you know, above 510, it seems like. It yeah. Right. thin gear and because it was old school and they weren't using bolts yet. And it just doesn't seem to fissure in right. like a no. traditional crack, like that split right. the thing. There's like little no. butt cracks here and there that you can maybe sort of fiddle in a piece of crap, you know, flared thing, and then you have to face climb. And yeah. you know, so it, even though it's granite, it doesn't really it doesn't really stand out as like a great granite crack climbing area. Right. And then down valley, we've got you know quartzite and sandstone and 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 limestone out towards rifle and all that sort of thing. All those sorts of things. I mean, if you're going to put up new roots, you're going to put in bolts. You know, it's interesting because the only place that I think that I do think has good trad climbing is the upper frying pan, which most people have never been to. Right. Um, but I, I do feel like once that's in the new guidebook, whenever it comes out, I think people will be psyched on that because mm -hmm. it's, it's really good sandstone. There's cracks, but again, that's an anomaly because even up there, most of the climbing I think is sport climbing. And I think that's cool culture in this valley because everything does require bolts so that we don't have a lot of ethical squabbles around here mm -hmm. you know like we have a pretty tight-knit group uh you know you look at climbing cultures in other places and there's always like different factions and you know there might be the different people are into different things around here but there's very little like oh did you hear what so-and-so did and oh we got to go take care of that it's just kind of like oh you put up more roots cool i put up some over here you should check them out right and we all tend to stay in our little zones but there's no question of like, oh, did you? How many bolts did you use? It's like, well, of course you use bolts. You know, right. you're, they're climbing on on choss or stuff that just can't be protected with gear. So I, I like the way we get along here. It's so easy to deal with, you know, compared to other places. Yeah, and I I do. I was I think about that a lot sometimes, and I I think a part of it is given the nature of the rock. There's, you know. It's not like we go crazy. There are crags like the frying pan or even at the narrows where there's mixed climbs. You know, we're we're all about doing the mixed climbs almost more so here than I think that I've seen in some places where you're just like, okay, there's good gear here. Let's let's use gear. You know, it's mm -hmm. a heck of a lot cheaper. You know, the less bolts we have to place, the better. 
Because I know there's been some places where people would say, oh, there's only one or two gear placements. Let's just bolt it. And sometimes that happens. But I know I can think of lots of climbs around here where you take one, two, three pieces of gear and Mm -hmm. and then you're clipping bolts. And that's the way it is. And so I think that's neat. Yeah. And I think that seems to be the ethic down in Glenwood Canyon and stuff. Like definitely a lot of that where it's mixed, just finding that happy medium. Mm -hmm. So I like the way people are able to get that and, and be happy with it. You know, I've had these theories about thinking about where these ethics all came from, you know, these things that have become sort of codified as the rules, the null bolts. And, you know, a lot of times it was the environment that would sort of create that ethic. But then this, the thing is, is you've got this one environment where the ethic comes from, you know, for example, talking about England, you know, they've got this this pretty limited amount of rock, you know, the UK in general. And, you know, to, to just go up there and start throwing bolts and everything, yeah, would have probably ruined most of it, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, the grit stone would be these, what, 35-foot little sport cars. Right, right, yeah. Completely right. innocuous <laughs> and boring, you know. Yeah. And they had sort of a resource issue in protecting the idea of this resource, and that really worked, you know. Mm-hmm. But we brought that ethic over here to the United States for good, I think, for the most part, to just try to limit it. But there's a point at which the ethics of one area don't apply to another area. You know, a no bolting an ethic in Rifle Canyon would be absurd. I mean, there would be no climbing there right. worth right. doing. And I think it just always seems strange to me that adults can't make that leap, you know, from the black and white to the nuanced of like, well, yeah, let's not, you know, let's have these areas, Devil's Lake, Wisconsin, where we're not going to put a bunch of bolts in. Sure. You know, that doesn't mean that putting bolts in here in Colorado on some hidden crag up the Crystal River is somehow challenging that ethic in Devil's Lake, Wisconsin. No. You know, it's like it just it's but but people think that, you know, it's it's sort of a strange thing, you know, and I had a moment I had moments when I was like a real tradster and. And or, or fancied myself that way just because of the books I read, basically. <laughs> yeah. And it had nothing to do with my actual <laughs> actions. <laughs> but, you know, that's where I was. But I, there was a point at which I just kind of started to feel like it all had gotten so absurd that that maybe we could, you know. And, and I think that the climbing community still can censor when we know it's gone wrong. You know, right. if I did rock up to Devil's Lake and just wrap down something and bolt the crap out of it, I mean – there would be hell to pay. And whether or yeah. not it was physical, I think if I got caught doing it by certain people, it would be physical hell right, to pay. Yeah. <laughs> but if not, I would get completely censored. And in this modern age of the internet, I would get torn to pieces. Right. You know, We know that. I would never do that. I would certainly go rat bolt something at, at the pup tent yeah. if I felt like right. it. Yeah. You know, Because you would die if you didn't do it that right, way. Right, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. And my fa- friend, Andy Jenner, who's a, who's a big... Uh, first ascensionist up in Alberta in the Canadian Rockies, you know, he's written a lot about that, how, you know, this isn't about who's the boldest. It's about who wants to die or not. You know, it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. we have to do it this way. The rock is terrible at first and you've got to clean it up. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing too, that like people who don't put up roots don't, a lot of people don't quite get is that, you know, a lot of these pristine climbs were not pristine in the beginning they they right. got cleaned to heck even even blocks getting pulled off of things in in what we consider just classic trad areas like lumpy ridge or whatever 
you know, there were things up there that needed to be knocked off to make it a safe route by the first ascensionists. Sure. And, right. and it's like they didn't just present themselves like ready to go. Yeah. You know? It's not just about who put the bolts right. up there, but it's about who cleaned all the choss off. Yeah, we, we were putting putting up some new roots and rifle the other day, and, and a buddy of mine who hadn't put up a route there before was like, are you sure we should be brushing this as much as we are? And I'm like, oh, yeah. We should be. And I said, just drive through the canyon and look at all the gray streaks. You think those gray streaks were there before the bolts were? Like somebody brushed yeah, all of it off. I mean. Yeah, it just happens to be about a, a person width wide. Right. That's An arm's like, reach away from yeah. each bolt. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, all those things sort of go into the ethic. And, and when I was putting up roots in the Canadian Rockies myself and I learned from Andy, you know, people were like, well, did you go ground up or did you do this? Did you do that? And I was like, well, let's see. On one of the routes I... Went ground up for two pitches, and that got me high enough to see what I could see above me, but I didn't want to leave fixed ropes because there's rats that chew the ropes. So I wrapped back down to the ground, then I walked to the top of the cliff, and then I rat bolted the top three pitches. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like whatever was expedient to make a good route and that I wouldn't die putting it up. Yeah. I mean, that was basically what it came down to. Yes, there's room in the world for Bacurians, mm-hmm. and right. I'm my name is not either one of those names. So <laughs> I just went ahead and put it up in what I thought would make a great route. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I was by myself, and so I was just like, "The hell with it," you know. Well, and that whole thing—that's a yeah. whole other avenue that right. we don't need to go down. But well, I, mean, I think it, it starts to come down yeah. to you know, I, it does seem like there's there's fewer and fewer people who are staunch about that. Um, in the end, I think it comes down to: Are you making a good route? And if you can do that ground up, more power to you. But a lot of new Chaucy crags, it's just, you know, you go you go top down, you clean it up, mm-hmm. you know. And cool. I think people don't realize that because they're not seeing that. Like you said, if less than 1% are going out there and doing that, that means less than 1% know what a, a virgin cliff looks like. Mm-hmm. They know what a, you know, what limestone is like the first time you touch it or what granite is, you know, any of these, these rock types, even like, like places like the Red River Gorge, like, you know, they... What does that look like? A lot of people don't know that. Right. You know, they only know it after a thousand people have climbed it and it's, and it's got chalk on everything. And yeah, anymore. there's, yeah. you know, everything's buffed and it's beautiful. Right. Well, well and, it, and it's also a resource thing talking back about that original ethic in, in the UK is we're now getting to this place in a lot of places where, yeah, those pristine walk up and climb that best rock in the world. That was done in the 1970s, mm-hmm. you know, and, and even looking at a place, let's say like Eldo as you know, roots are still getting sort of found there, but they're less and less of the pristine walk into the thing and look up there it is kind of stuff. You find it in this faraway corridor and it's covered in moss and, you know, you've cleaned it up and you've pulled some flakes off of it and you've got this root there all of a sudden. So, you know, that's just the, the reality of it is that all the, or a lot of the sweetest cliffs, they're the one, the only ones left are on the Arctic somewhere. Yeah, know? exactly. So they're a long walk and a long way from the road. They're probably out there, but you're not, you're not driving up and doing casual cragging day at them. I, I, I kind of interrupted you, Mike. Did yeah. you have something you wanted to say? Oh, no, I think uh, just to piggyback to what you guys were saying about, you know, there, there's a time and a place for doing stuff on lead and like having, having, following that ethic or tradition that's been established in certain areas, but you know, I've had enough close calls where just it doesn't even get it's not even worth it anymore. And, <laughs> and sometimes kids. I feel like there's there's areas where the best routes haven't even been done because they're so scary to do ground up, you know, like they're so hard to do and just uh, it's not very feasible to do it and to have a good route that somebody's going to be psyched on for later on. 
Yeah, certainly that was my experience in the Ghost River was that, you know, there was old roots there, but and they all felt followed some some line of resistance, which basically is, uh, you know, synonymous with where the water runs down. And where the water runs down creates pretty rotten limestone. So a lot of these old traditional roots were, were like on these kind of rotten, cracky break things between these big, long, pristine walls. When I arrived there, it was uh, like 2001 or so. You know, there was still like this kind of war going on about rap bolting and all these sorts of things. And, and I had met up with Andy, who had, who had gone ahead and rap bolted one of the first big roots out there. And um, I had climbed it the year before, and it was fantastic because it was on this big expanse of beautiful face climbing limestone, you know. And mm-hmm. so, with sort of, you know, hiding behind his shadow because he's quite a large guy, I was like, "Well, <laughs> he felt safe." Yeah, I felt safe to go ahead and be like, "Well, how about over there, where there that that big sweet hanging, you know, wall is that nobody's climbed because there's no cracks, you know." And and so we started started rap bolting and kind of, um, you know, broke a few rules, but I think it was time and, and it wasn't 1975. So I, th- I think people kind of got over it pretty quickly, but, um, yeah, well, we don't have to get hung up on that whole ethics <laughs> thing, but I think it's one of the first things people start wondering about, like why the bolts do you have to have them and all that sort of thing. Right. So it was just something to talk about, but let me ask you about that then, because I, we did want to talk about this a little bit, um, is about the expense, because we are talking about doing a lot of bolting around here. Yeah. And, um, so, oh, yeah. Well, Mike Mike brought his little spreadsheet oh, yeah. here <laughs> let me, tonight. Let's talk about he, that. he compiled his list of routes. Yeah, I just just for fun, I, I, I try to keep a little climbing guiding log, but uh, you know, I, I started to wonder, like, gosh, how many routes have I actually put up? You know, like, it's always a ballpark figure, and figured out I was... I'm at at least 150, like 162 pitches is what I added up and, uh, 830 holes. So bolts plus anchors, oh you know, uh, <laughs> plus, uh, I know the hole count, you know, like yeah. you probably heard that from the LCAP days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually, I didn't even like add up every bolt. So I'm probably pretty close to 900 just on new road. 900 new bolts you put in. At least. Yeah. And like I said, as I was doing this, I started to realize, oh yeah, like it was actually fun. It was a, a kind of a a way to think back and remember some stuff. Like, oh yeah, I remember that route I did and totally forgot about because it was pile. You know, mm-hmm. like I guess I could count it as an FA, but then there was a bunch of routes like that that I didn't even put on the list. So, so yeah, and BJ and I have had a lot of adventures like that too, where there's some stuff we've done that's obscure. Right. So yeah, the list got long. So yeah, if, a, if, if you think about that, so yeah, we were talking 900 bolts. So this was this will probably be an article that will show up on Splitter Chaz at some point. But yeah, because Mike and I have been talking recently because I started to do the math because somebody the other day was talking, oh, I wish everybody would just use stainless. And that's a great sentiment. And, you know, we're, we're not at a place where there's sort of a consensus in this country as far as like, what do you use? And, you know, Mike got to go to the Fixed Anchors Conference last year uh, that the Access Fund did in Las Vegas. I was on. Unf- Fortunately, unable to attend, but um, in Las Vegas, yeah, yes, yeah. nice. yeah, it was you know, it seemed like a really cool event. But you know, he said like one of the things that I know we talked and that came out of that was that it it it's different everywhere. Like we were saying, there's different ethics in different places, and you know, and so yeah, this idea of like, oh, I wish everybody would use stainless steel. It, it's it's nice, but you know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to pure economics. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Like an example, I'll use, like I just literally just found a wall last week. It'll probably hold at least 20 routes. There'll be at least 10 to 12 bolts each, I bet. 
Um, some of them could be longer. It was hard to tell from the base. Some of them might be 40 meter pitches. So then you're looking at God knows how many volts, but I started to do some just rough math. And if anybody out there in internet land wants to correct me, this is fine. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think it was going to be, if I used straight plated hardware, like half inch, the power, the power bolt that are half inch by like two and three quarter inches, really popular bolt. Um, if I use those and plated hangers for everything, it would be around like $800 or something. You know, if I jump up to, you know, the, the most accessible, oh, and that's, that's wholesale, I might add. Right. That's wholesale. Okay. Um, that's not retail. Right. Yeah, honestly, retail, it's going to be about double that. Yeah, it's probably right? double that retail. So then stainless wedge bolts would be like the next sort of accessible level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and wedge bolts have their pros and cons. You know, they're easy to place. They're good for hard rock. They're not good for soft rock. And you can't replace them very easily. You know, mostly you're just pounding them back in the hole and patching over. So once you've used that placement, you're done. But let's say I did it with those. It probably cost me around $2,000 to use those, all, mm-hmm. you know, all, which is all stainless, and that's great. Um, you know, around here, that plated steel would probably last 20 to 30 years. Um, you know, we have relatively dry, if I'm not in, in limestone, this is sandstone, this particular crag. Um, limestone, you're going to get less out of it. But Stainless, let's say, well, it'll last, I don't know, 50, 60 years. That seemed reasonable. Yeah. 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 You know, so $2,000. And then if I'm going to go glue-ins or, you know, stainless power bolts, which are the most expensive, you know, they can be removed, the stainless power bolts, but, um, you know, those are super, you know, $3,000 or something. And so $800 versus a couple thousand, like, yeah, that's a pretty big deal, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and I have access to wholesale. Right, right. You know, and I know not everyone does that. And so it's just like, I think the sentiment of like, let's use stainless is going to last a long time. But the way I kind of feel like is that, you know, the next major thing to come around, because I go to a lot of the outdoor retailer shows. You guys have all been there. I do a lot of writing about the gear and whatnot. And, you know, I look at like, what's the next thing, right? What's the next like Grigri or leashless ice tool? What's the next sort of like major innovation in the climbing world? And personally, I feel it's, something with a bolt because that's where we're at in climbing in this country is like we're bolting these crags we're we're moving into you know like you said like the the less desirable rock but Mm -hmm. it's still pretty good it cleans up it's fun climbing but what we need is a bolt that is relatively inexpensive it's going to last a long time but that you can also replace and you can easily remove it and climb tech is actually working on something called the legacy bolt. And if you Google that, there's a cool video on YouTube that shows how it works. And, and so the idea being that you could drill a half inch hole, you put this bolt in, you tighten it down. It's great. You get your use out of it. Let's say in 30, 40 years, you're going to check it out. You pull it out, you know, maybe it's good and you pop it back in or, okay, it's time to rip- can't pop it back in. What's that? Can't pop, pop it back in. Okay, actually. So Sorry. Can't <laughs> pop it back in. Mike's seen it. I've only seen the video. But let's just say, you know, you, you pull it out, it's time to go. Okay, let's we brighten the same hole. We're using another bolt. And then, because, you know, like we've seen it, especially at Rifle, and I'm sure yeah. other places are like this, where you've got all these different holes and bolts and patch jobs. And, and you know, everybody likes to hold up glue-ins as the end-all, be-all. And Mike can speak more to this than I can because I've actually never used glue-ins, and he's done a bunch. But even glue-ins have to be replaced at some point in the future. And... Mm. Right now, I think it's far enough in the future that a lot of people are just like, oh, well, I won't have to deal with that. You know, it's going to be in 100 years. Mm-hmm. But, well, what happens? You know, like I know there's – there's if are we just going to chop off the, the glue-ins or, you know, how, are we hacksawing these? Like how is that – you know, are we, I know there's different ideas on how to get those Blue out. Torch. But then are we, are we creating even more of a mess? The, the, you know? uh, the DC angle grinder. 
Yeah, there you go. See, I've never chopped a root. Supposedly, you can heat them up. And Did you like... see the picture of the dude in cr- the Crimea with one of those? Oh, where they uh, chopped that yeah, thing that yeah. Cedar put? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, it'd be kind of scary hanging on a rope with an angle grinder spinning <laughs> in your hand. Seems like a bad idea. One slip and you're headed towards the ground. Well, same thing with the blowtorch. If you're gonna yeah, like, you can heat up the epoxy, but that's I don't know. So I don't know. It seems like this this legacy bolt is on the right track. I guess is right. the point because. You know, again, with Choss, if I'm putting a bolt in, you know, I, I'm, I'm hammering all around. I'm like, okay, here's the spot the bolt right. needs to go. And it may literally be like a foot square of solid stone. Right. And it may all be all hollow all around this. And I know Mike's encountered this replacing roots and rifle where he, he, the existing bolt was even in hollow rock to begin with. And then right. he's looking for a place to put the new bolt and everything around it is, is bad. So let's say these bolt placements are at a premium, and maybe this is you know too dorky or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, we're, you're, you're you're putting that bolt in the best possible place the first time around. So if you can't right. reuse that hole, any subsequent stuff is going to be, you know, it's going to be less than ideal. Right. And so how many times can you can you replace it? You know, like mm-hmm. this roots and rifle where there's like five different things that have gone on. You're running out of real estate. Right. So if you can pop that bolt out, reuse that hole, and you know, get, I don't know, 200 years. I mean, who knows? Who knows where this stuff's going to go? And I guess that's kind of my point too, is that, you know, do we need to be filling these things like with stainless wedge bolts, which are going to be a pain to remove when maybe in a couple of years it's going to be something better. I I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's not an easy answer. I don't think. And I I think it's more complicated and complex than some people. It's not black and white. It's not like everybody should just use stainless, you know, like, great. If everybody could do that, I think it'd be awesome, but it's not realistic. Right. Can can a company like Climtech produce uh, a bolt at a at a price point that's similar to, you know, because I think actually, again, going to the basics, because there'll be a lot of people listening to this that's, that have never held a climbing bolt right. in their hand. They've only click, clipped them. I mean, most a lot of people are surprised to realize that we're just using bolts that have industrial applications. I mean, certain climbing companies have made and continue to make and market bolts, but mo- a lot of those climbing companies actually are just getting them elsewhere, you know, from a manufacturer that's, you know, sending them some and then yeah, sending yeah. Redhead some and sending right, power, right. you know, some I think, plant in I mean, Korea. Fixe, that, I know yeah. they, they, they're doing like, they're making their bolts for right. climbing. And then yeah, I think Petzl. Petzl has one, you know, so there's a few. But like power bolts. Are but yeah, just, the majority of the bolts I would, I think that are probably in, Certainly in the U.S. are construction grade. Yeah, they're construction. Right. They're meant for yeah. concrete, you know, yeah. and yeah. we're just trying to use the best of them. <laughs> right. when, Hopefully. When I've, when I've called places to try to get some powers bolts, you know, I'll talk to a guy on the phone and he'll be like, what do you need that bolt for? That's really expensive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you well, using it for? Like, you can get something a lot cheaper. I'm like, yeah. well, yeah. Like, I'm not building skyscrapers. I'm <laughs> bolting rock climbs. It's got to last. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> this is not to, you know, put something up in my garage or something. This is. Yeah, someone's going to be trusting their life to it. So, so yeah. do, you, do you, as long as we're on this bolt thing, do you guys is is bolt failure um, pretty common in terms of like larger like three eighths to larger bolts? I, I I don't know. I mean, outside obviously we've all heard about Thailand, which it has that, yeah. that mix well, it's of interesting the salt there and all that sort of thing. But there right. seems to be like even just the last two months, there's been like more and more reports of like hangers. Well, I know cracking, one fell out of. Um, then Rondish last year, view. yeah, there was one that just fell out oh. of a root and rifle. And <laughs> which one? The second bolt in Ronnie Spoof fell out this uh, winter, yeah. actually, I think. Oh, it was this winter? Yeah. Right, yeah. Just fell out. Well, on the, <laughs> what, the sixth bolt on Beer Run that, I was thinking of the one on Beer Run. Oh, it did? Yeah. yeah. Actually, like snapped. When somebody fell on it, it snapped. 
Really? Um, yeah. yeah. And it was like a newer bowl. How come we don't hear about these things? It's a new ASCA bowl. Keep it under wraps so people yeah. still go to rifle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think personally, there's... No, the ri- the, all the bullets in rifle are terrible. Oh. You're taking your life in your own hands if you go there. Yeah. Stop going there. Yeah, I, stop going. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of bolts out there. And I mean, for the most part, even if you're using some junk hardware store mm-hmm. stuff that you got here in Carbondale at Ace... It's probably going to work, right? It's probably yeah. not going to break, that's at least good. in the short term. That's good. That doesn't mean Ten you should do that. Years. Don't do yeah, that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. But eventually, like, you know, you do see bolts that fail. Or, like, when I'm replacing them, like, you know, most of the bolts are pretty solid. Right. But every once in a while, you have some that you're like, wow, that thing was, like, on the verge of failure. <laughs> that's kind of sketchy, uh-huh. you know? But I also feel like we might be getting into a point where we're going to start to see more bolt failures because sport climbing really just got big in mm-hmm. really the nineties and you know, right. Right. In the so 80s. we're like at the age. Right. So we're hitting yeah. that 20 to totally. 30 year yeah, mark for the like plated steel bolts where, okay, yeah. this is where we're finding out. What, All right. Is everyone scared now? <laughs> what's really happening? What? but again, I, I, you know, like Mike said for the thousands of bolts, tens of whatever, who even knows, but think about how many people are climbing on these routes all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. In whipping and whipping. I mean, driving whipping. your car is still way more dangerous. Sure. Without question, okay. I would say. I mean, well, I just good. I just rebolted Pretty Hate Machine, and those bolts looked so bad. Right. But people were still whipping yeah, like crazy taking, on them. Well, they weren't breaking, and they right. even, a couple of them broke when I pulled them out, but that took a fair amount of force to actually snap one off. Uh-huh. So, you know, and actually there, they used cold shuts, which are, you know, kind of a no-no nowadays, but actually ended up being a good thing because all the bolts were spinning, but because the cold shuts are a little wider, it wasn't grooving down through the bolt. Sure. Which like is a bolt hanger with it spinning, it'll cut it. It still did groove through some of the sleeves, which was right. a little sketchy, you know, <laughs> that it was it had done that much. But, hmm. you know, still for the most part, you know, those bolts were going to hold falls, but but it's hard to say how ideal. long, right? Like, yeah, you don't I, want to be that guy yeah. that decks. Well, and that's what I think is hard too. Is it's an inexact science, you know? It's like, do we do, we need more testing? We, I don't know. It's it, we're at this interesting place where if there's going to be more regulation and more oversight, we we need to know like, how long is this really going to last? Like those bolts you pulled out, how many? How much? How strong are those? How much longer are they going to last? Are, right. Was it a ticking time bomb? Was it? You know, did you save someone's life or was there another 20 years? I, I don't know. All right. Well, let me, let, let's actually, and maybe we just need to get some scientists, you know, on the yeah. show. I don't know, but. <laughs> let's segue into this too, though, because uh, I think one of the, I mean, you know, the sort of calls to use a certain type of hardware all the time or whatever is obviously a good idea. And there are areas, again, Thailand, you know, Sam Leitner uh, sort of started the charge there to change everything. And right. that was a good thing that, you know, there's oh, bolts that are just like falling off in your hands right. um, as right. a result of sea air and, and some chemical reaction with the stone and all that sort right. of thing. Right. So, but in other places, it sounds like good stewardship is also like yeah. a big part of it because, you know, yeah, again, like when, even with these, these legacy bolts, someone then has to decide it's time to take right. them out and put right. them back in. And, that's something I've seen grow a lot of areas as, you know, one or two things fail. Maybe nobody gets hurt, but everybody has a wake-up call, you know, and like, Mike, you're doing that. So what, aside from being just a really great guy, <laughs> what what inspires you to go out? I mean, who's paying for that? Are you getting are you getting help with that? Well, most of my hardware comes from the American Safe Climbing Association. Oh, okay. You know, Greg Barnes runs that, and he's just super generous, super great. 
I mean, when I said I wanted to start doing glue-ins and rifle, I mean, he said, well, let's get you the best glue, the best Mm -hmm. everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So he hooked me up with the Hilti glue gun and, you know, Hilti glue, and that was awesome. Cool. Uh, So that's a huge help, you know? But yeah, like otherwise... Tell me your question again. Well, it's just the idea of Stuart. I mean, the idea that oh, you, why am I doing you it? just said you just right. said you went out and, and replaced Pretty Hate Machine. Right. Like you spent your day doing that. Multiple right. days. Multiple days yeah, doing multiple that. Days. Because, <laughs> because the thing is, is like we can talk about this too, like yeah. how actually physically difficult it is to bolt, especially steep stuff. Yeah. Because that happens. Yeah. That steep. Re- yeah. But then you had to add in the removal. I think which, it's almost harder to do it. Rebolting. Right. Yeah. And so Potentially. Wh- why? Yeah. What yeah. are you doing? I mean, because why? Yeah. What are you doing? 5,000 other people have <laughs> you have walked kids. up there. <laughs> you have a life. Why are you doing this? Well, well I think everybody's, I mean, wa- I mean, a lot of people have walked up there and, yeah. and clipped those cold shuts and been just like, oh, somebody ought to replace yeah, these. Yeah, right. You know? And that's the, really the line. <laughs> like, log into Mountain Project. Right. Somebody needs to replace this. <laughs> right. You know? Well, I think, I don't know how I got into it exactly. I think I just got turned on to it. Uh, maybe through BJ or some other guys, like the rifle cleanup, you know, that they do every year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah, it was through the right, uh, yeah, Anchor we were, Replacement yeah, Initiative the through Climbing Magazine, climbing, yeah. where I said, hey, we got a bunch of, like, old roots that need to get rebolted. Like, mm-hmm. can I get some bolts to do this? And I knew BJ had, like, helped get that started at climbing. So got started and there. he was like, no, Matt Samets used them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Hockey put them all in the local shots. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Uh, but I think when I started doing that, I started to realize there were, really were some sketchy bolts out there, mm-hmm. like particularly the ones I worry about that are in hollow rock, mm-hmm. like flakes, like loose flakes. And stuff. <laughs> oh, and you know what really started it was when that I had that bolt come off in my hand in the block that it was in. Oh, wow. yeah. That's and a great picture. It's probably the most popular climb on the western slope Do you of Colorado. Know, what would people Google to see that? It's uh, I'll just put it on the website. Can I? It's on yeah, uh, Chris will yeah. put a link. You, um, everybody yeah. needs to go look at this picture because this was like, yeah, yeah. super popular route. Super popular. I, I literally say it's probably the most popular say route. Say it's called it Roadside Attraction. At the oh, Pukes. Okay. At the Pukes. Right, it's yeah. the first route you come a to. It's thing. super easy to get to the top yeah. of. That's why I say it's probably the most popular yeah. route because everybody's on it, right? Yeah. Now, it is kind of at the crux where people were probably whipping on it. It's kind of past the crux. Maybe they weren't, but like I was up there one day and thought, this bolts always look kind of funky. And I (laughs) just tapped and I was like, wow, that thing is like the block was moving. Uh Uh-huh. And like in a half dozen taps, the thing just came off of my hand. I was like, this is kind of problematic, you know, like this is not good. <laughs> I started, I started looking around at these other bolts that were in loose flakes and like bad rock and Plus the ones that just look skanky, you know, they're right. rusted and yeah, you know, rusty, rusty looking. and like obviously water's been coming and, out the hole. And so and I kind of, yeah. I kind of just got started on a few little projects, and it kind of turned into something bigger because there's so many routes to do, you know, to rebolt. And you know, personally, like with my guiding company, I've rebolted a lot of the routes that we guide frequently because. I want to know that the anchor's good. And some, sure, sure. some of the first ascensionists told me like, yeah, those bolts were kind of lousy bolts back 20 years ago. So definitely <laughs> replace those. And then I think nowadays, like I just like giving back. I think it's just part mm-hmm. of my personality. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, pretty hate machine. I still haven't sent that thing. Cause I really don't like it. I, oh. <laughs> I don't either. You rebolted a route. You don't like, uh, I really don't public service. I, know, yes. I, I really You're, don't like it, but oh my God. it was really bad. And people kept asking me about it. And so, well, that's like, well, just it. You're the guy project now. to do, you know? You're and, the guy. Yeah. Like, oh, and yeah, it costs we should get money. Mike up here to, to do. To <laughs> yeah. I know. I actually get a few too many emails sometimes where I'm like, you know, somebody else should like, here, I'll take show this you. How, I'll show you how this works. 
But and it it costs some money because even though you're you know you're getting some free hardware from mm-hmm. ASEA, mm-hmm. they don't provide everything. You know they don't provide steel beaners and stuff. And sure. so that's usually just coming out of my pocket. Or sometimes we'll hit up some people for some cash, and then you count all the driving. Well, the here's gear, the thing, the, dude, you know. and and like because I've done plenty of anchor replacement in Indian Creek. Yeah. Which is easy. Okay. easy. Exactly. Like that right. doesn't. You don't even get count. any points. Really. I know. You get, some, you get points. You get points. You get Those a are few, big talus. Mike has more to, points. Though. It's super soft rock. It's super easy to drill. I know. Fall and you don't, you don't, and all you're doing is play, replacing the anchor. It's yeah, like right. not even that big a deal. Done. Done. However, the reason I brought that up, not to pat myself on the back. <laughs> um, my shoulders are too screwed up to do that. Anyway, that's probably what it's from. To pat myself on the back. But you know, the reason I do it is because I'm really. It have been for the longest time invested in that area. And so it's like, right. you know, even on the most basic level, it's like you just got to give back a little bit to this, to the area. Yeah. And I don't expect right. the guy that just rocked up there, you know, or has only been climbing there a couple of years to be like, I'm going to spend my time, you know, putting in these anchors because yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you might get right. to climb that day, but you're going to spend a big part of your day doing that. But the thing I'm, it's interesting about you is I don't, no offense, but I don't necessarily think of you as this big rifle guy. And there's so many other people who have so much more invested in that canyon that have never lifted a finger to put a bolt in or to replace anything. That's because you don't see me on the hard routes. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, you know what I mean? It's not like you've been there for 10 years or 15 right. years. Like, you know, day in, like day so out. many of the people I, I haven't this, been a lifer. in this valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so I, I guess I'm, it's, a, it's sort of a roundabout compliment that you – I found this area that you obviously enjoy climbing in, even if you don't like pretty hate machine (laughs) and you've, you know, pretty early in sort of your, your kind of investment in the Canyon started doing this, you know? Well, and selfishly, like it was really, I've always climbed a rifle a little bit here and there, but never been that into it until a couple of years ago. And then I got, you know, into it where, you know, last year, that's pretty much all I climbed. Yeah. Yeah. I remember (laughs) it was in rifle, but you know, selfishly too, like there's times where I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to send this route, but man, that, that bolt is like looking really bad. I I might just like, sure. You know, take the drill up there and take care of it, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Indian Creek, I I totally see what you mean though. Like we started, I know BJ and I, when we were climbing up there, we started to just throw a drill and a couple bolts in our pack because I started realizing that, like every other day I was climbing the creek, you'd be on some like route and somebody next to you would be like, oh yeah, if you do this route, be careful because yeah. the bolt, left bolt's loose or something. And and it's like, well, is anybody going to take care of it? Right. So maybe I should just start like carrying a drill and a handful of bolts and maybe some webbing, some chain, whatever. Chain is what I've really started carrying just to get rid of some of the webbing. Because I feel like as climbers, we're pretty fortunate because it's a free sport for the most part Mm -hmm. other than you know obviously you buy your gear but you don't buy lift tickets you don't you know for the most part you're not paying for parks passes they're very limited so we have it pretty good you know we don't really have to do anything to take advantage of the resource we have and so i figure i feel like we should all give back a little bit Mm -hmm. you know whether that's donating some money to aca like buying me a beer you know like you know in my case like i feel like i might as well like spend a little time like rebolting some roots and trying to like just get back and didn't you um didn't you just get a check i did yeah Yeah. like that was like totally out of the blue i've never had that happen i've solicited some money to like replace like steel beaners or like things like that you know or people bought me a beer you know and that's Mm -hmm. cool uh but mostly it's a thankless task and so Mm -hmm. literally this guy last week he texted me like, hey, I heard you put up some new moderates and rifle. 
And uh, I was like, yeah, give me a call, you know. So um, he's a guy I've known for a long time because I coached and taught his son and daughter. And uh, he's a really cool guy. And, and, you know, gave him the bait on these new roots. And afterwards, he, like, texts me and say, hey, how much does it cost to put up a new route? <laughs> and, like, how do you do that? Like, who pays you to do that? Or, like, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's whoever puts up the route pays for that route. And he's like, well, I really appreciate what you do. I want to like, I want to give you some money. And I was like, oh no, you don't need, you don't need to give me money. But he insisted. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, <laughs> I'll take that. Now that <laughs> I counted like 900 some bolts that I put in on new, <laughs> new routes alone, like I might as well like get a little bit of coin to pay for some of that off. And plus it's probably just going to go to buy, buy more steel beaners and stuff like that sure. to put on other routes. Yeah. It'll come so, back around. Cause you're not going to stop. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, and again, this guy who was something of a climber anyway, that's what I'm talking about. Like he had no idea like, yeah. how these routes got there. Oh, yeah. I mean, talking- to the point of like thinking maybe what you were paid by the city to do it or oh, something exactly. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Today he was like, why doesn't the city pay you to do this? Why doesn't the city pay you? Because like, we're that, not in France. I, know, I was like, that would be Socialist. <laughs> Burn him. Uh, yeah, no, they do in Europe, certainly. Right. We talked about that with uh, Cody Roth. Yeah. yeah that's Austria. A, that's amazing. Yeah. So that, was, that was cool from him. That was totally unexpected, and but really cool. And I'll definitely, I'm already planning to, you know, go put up a couple more moderates in a zone and, and like kind of name them after him and just say, hey, here's where your money went. Right. Because I was probably going to put those roots up anyway, but it gives me a little extra motivation now to yeah. know that there's some people out there that really care that there's some moderates out there. Not in, in his case, you know, he felt like rifles all like hard stuff. And so he was pretty psyched to know that there were some people putting in like easier routes that he's in his forties and, you know, he wants to climb stuff he can climb. He just started right. climbing a few years ago. Right. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, rifle always ha- has had, continues to have that reputation, but certainly it's getting filled in right. with a lot, a lot more stuff. Thanks to you. Oh, and, that, uh, who, who's uh, that cat from the Springs? Michael McGee. Michael yeah. McGee. Yeah. Right. Like, he's put some serious work yeah. in. Yeah. I mean, whole walls. Yeah. Yeah, These roots are popular. Thing. People yeah, do. For sure. And I, and I bolted the first you know, five, five there. So that, that'll probably be the thing I'm famous for. I was going to say. <laughs> it's what, nothing else. Co- that was a coveted. People oh, really yeah. gunning for that one. Oh, yeah. I had to edge out a lot of people. You know, I had to camp out beneath the root waiting for the glue to dry in the glue-ins sure. to get yeah. the FA. <laughs> Big old red tag on the first bolt. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that that wait wait what is oh, it called? It's called uh, first steps. Okay, uh, <laughs> it's by the Ruckman. I'm, I'm surprised yeah. it hasn't been on your to do list yet. Yeah, I just did a really pretty easy one. Left a fle- feline. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Probably yeah, yeah. Rachel's route, the yeah. five seven, kind of on the arete. Yeah, on the arete. That's a f- yeah. That's a great route. Yeah. That's a good route. Yeah. Uh, one thing you know, Mike, by giving back, I think for me that's a big part of the bolting thing, and I've kind of been more into putting some stuff up on a, a crag sort of seen a renaissance this year, a local crag. And um, like last year I just climbed almost entirely for myself and that's fine. But you know, it, it not that it felt selfish, but it's just, I, I, I like giving back. And I think putting up new roots is a really cool way to do that. You know, it's just, here's more climbing and, and it's really cool. Like we just put out a topo to, you know, one small sector of this area that, is going to be really popular, I think, once the new guidebook comes out, and people have already been going up there and checking it out, and it's, I think it's neat. I think it's it's a cool way to give back, whether you're putting up roots or replacing anchors or whatever. It's, you know, and, and to get back to something you said about the sort of stewardship, I think that's a big thing, and we're kind of moving into that era where there are 
groups. Um, you know, we're still pretty, we just kind of have a small scene around here. So guys like Mike are just going out and getting it done. And there isn't a whole lot of organization around it. We're not meeting and being like, Hey, these are the routes that need to get done. Cause a lot of the climbing all here is also, it's pretty new. It's 20, you know, some of it's 10 years old. Some of it's five years sure. old. Some of it's three days old. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at places like the red or, you know, kind of all over there's, there's more and more of these, these groups that are kind of taking the helm with that. And I think that also goes back to the hardware issue of, those groups are setting the standard for what's appropriate for the area, mm-hmm. you know, because like at the red, for example, they're using huge half inch bolts as they should be. And, you know, obviously those would not be appropriate for like a place that was granite or more compact rock. But I think it's important that we have those groups to sort of steer things in that direction, to be mentors, mm-hmm. um, you know, to set that standard, to be like, okay, this is a limestone Canyon. We're using stainless steel in here. No questions asked because if right. you use plated, it's going to be rusted in 10 years. Right. And so, and I think that's important that those groups are there because as more people, more and more people I think are getting into developing, even though if it's less than 1%, there are more people doing it now. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is becoming the thing where it was such a small group before it was very self-policing and it still is, but I think it's becoming more important that people who are interested in doing that realize that there's resources mm-hmm. that you know, Hey, I want to learn how to bolt a root, you know? And it's like, and I'll put that out there. If anybody wants to learn how to bolt a root, come find me. I'll show you how to bolt a root and right. we'll do it right. right. Cause I had guys that showed me, you know, Luke Laser, Matt Samet, those guys had done a ton of bolting. They came out with me. I mean, I'll never forget the first time I used a power drill. Mm-hmm. I can remember the exact moment. I can remember the anchor. I can yeah, remember being with Luke. It. Yeah. You're just like, Oh my God, I can see why these aren't allowed <laughs> in some places, <laughs> yeah. you know? But, yeah. but it was, it was amazing. Cause they, they, you know, they, I was just some, you know, eager kid at the time and, it's like, yeah, you, you seem psyched. So here, we're going to show you how to do this. And then yeah. you're going to learn along the way and you're going to make mistakes, um, you know, and, and you're going to get it figured out. And because mm-hmm. and, it's yeah. a long learning process. And I think that's the important thing is it's having, it's having some mentors and having some guidance. And somebody's like, hey, no, that hardware, that's not appropriate. You're using junk. Right. You know, this for this rock, we use this. And for right. that rock, we use this. And for that area, that's okay. And for mm-hmm. that area, it's not. And so it's good to see more of these th- these things, you know, popping up all over, I think. And, and cause I, I think we have to, like we have to get to that point. You know, we have to be even more self-policing. We have to be proving to not just ourselves, but now land managers that, Hey, we can, we can, we can do this. We can take mm-hmm. care of ourselves. We can take care of our crags. We can do this in a way that's going to, you know, create the least amount of impact. It's going to make, you know, these routes are going to last a long time, things like that. I think that's a great point about those, the groups that, you know, our group, local group isn't that big into it, but like, like you said, like we need to be there first, like establishing like good like standards because otherwise like the government's going to come in and do it because that's kind of what's happening in Europe is my understanding. There's kind of some standards there that are more like set in stone and there's some feeling that that's what's going to happen eventually as, you know, the Forest Service or BLM or whoever it is starts to get more involved in like bolting policy and stuff like that. And that was one of the things that kind of came out of that bolting conference and in Vegas was to just get a glimpse. Like Jason Keith was really big into that belief that if we don't take care of it now, we're going to have a harder time taking care of it later when the government steps in and starts telling us what to do. Well, again, I mean, talking about sort of the ignorance of the general climbing population about what goes into these routes, the government doesn't have a freaking clue either. A lot. I mean, they are, (laughs) you know, and, and you, we've talked about that with, I think, with you, BJ, on the show, as well as with Sam, about how, you know, they look at all of our arguments 
with each other and then start to go, hey, wait a minute, what are you guys even talking about? You're putting what into where and you're using ladders and what? No, those are... They're, no, they're not. It's an aid ladder. It's not an actual ladder. You know, right. yeah, the bolt like, ladders. The bolt ladders. Like you're doing ladders to where, and you're putting them what? And they stay there and, all the time. And it's when you're when you're as insulated and like tucked into climbing the way I am, and I think the three of us are to a certain sure. extent, and, and a lot of the fans of the show that are just like yeah. everything's climbing. You think that the the outside world knows more about it than they do. No. And I mean, I, I have fans in in Iowa and and in those places. Those people are. They're going, wait a minute. No, nobody knows a thing about this. But when you're here in Colorado, you feel like everyone knows something about it, but they don't. They don't. But even here with, you know, know, with a local crag where we had some access things that came up and Mike was involved in these conversations too, we had to literally explain to them how the bolts worked. Right. right. And bring in like the different kind. Here's a wedge bolt. Right, right. Here's a, you know, a powers bolt. Here's how they work. This one. And that's deep in the heart of Colorado. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. So So Washington, D.C. In theory, should be where people, especially land managers, in theory, should be relatively well-versed in this. You know, there's, it's, climbing's been going on a a long time here. But it's just so Shelf Road is one of the first sport climbing areas and it's in Colorado. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so even here, it wasn't, well, no. So then you go to these other places and there's just, you know, and, and I don't know what sort of the the remedy for that is but it's not it's not well understood outside of our small circle sure and but yeah but there's always been this like thing that we try to we try to keep it out of the the public eye right. and then but sometimes we want it in the public eye because I mean, yeah. you know what i mean there's like this t- right. like we're at this weird time for it this, where we yeah. kind of uh, try to keep things under wraps right. and be self policing but the same time we're getting to that point where we can't and we have to be out in the open and we have to be transparent about what we're doing and 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 i make a point like talking to my clients about bolts and like you know not like to do a huge educational thing on how to how to make you know how to place them and stuff like that but to give them some sense of how they work and how they get in there because they need to know the ropes don't just magically appear at the top of the cliff you know like sure. there's you know hopefully that'll help in the long run because climbing as a sport is mm-hmm. growing tremendously you know and i think a lot of those people coming out of the gyms are going to be coming outside and hopefully they'll be on our side to like you know figure out good policy and i think that's where those groups are great because they're kind of proactively going to their local land management agencies and just saying hey let us take care of these bolts let us make this better and that's a really good thing like the guys in the new and the red and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. are just doing an awesome job i mean i think in rifle too like the city of rifle has been great Yeah, the city's been real involved lately yeah so um, we've been going for like an hour here. So uh, it's good. I mean, we could go all night. With spray. We could seriously go all night on. on there's a, there's on a bolts there's, there's a lot of different like ins and outs yeah. and what have you. And, and, and I don't want to be cr- critical of when I say that so many, you know, even really fairly experienced climbers, people, you know, that you just see out at the cliff all day long. If you said, "Hey, do you have you ever actually looked at what a bolt looks like?" They would say no. Right. I mean, well, it, there's you know. no, there's no surprise. It's, yeah, I, all of us sitting here know this. You go out bolting; it's not a day of climbing. Right. It is a day of work. It's yeah. it's construction. It's vertical construction, and it's it's taxing. It's tiring. It's not a rest day activity because then you're tired the next day. Mm-hmm. So it's a day you give up. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just it, like I don't. There's no part of me I think that is surprised that more people don't do it. Um, right. No, I'm not surprised and, at all. And so it's just, it's not, it's, like, I, I don't get, it doesn't surprise me when people 
don't know how, even mm-hmm. know how much bolts cost. I mean, well, most, yeah. I, I bet if we did a poll, and again, this is not detrimental in any way towards anybody, but it would be so interesting to do a poll. Maybe I should do this of what people think bolts cost. <laughs> you know, like right. don't go look it yeah. up on the internet. How much do you think a bolt? Well, not and just a bolt, costs? but like yeah, an installation and a the permadraws thing, yeah. in some places or whatever. How much yeah, do you think yeah. all that stuff costs? Because it's just. Like you know, nine hundred bolts right. over here. Well, you got bits and a and a right. drill, the drill and, and batteries and, and blood, I've sweat, got and ten, tears. Ten pound air tank with a hundred foot hose. And, you know, like, <laughs> you've I've got, got some. Oh, let, you're letting too <laughs> yeah. much behind the curtain. Pull the curtain back. Pull the curtain back. Just a really you've got efficient a way of drill? cleaning. No, I've got a I've got a ten pound oh, air right. tank to blow the dust. Oh, okay. Off the of roots right, right. and clean pockets out, like. It gets a little industrial. Yeah, totally. I wrote that word down right here. Industrial. <laughs> it's fully industrial. We'll go anywhere yeah. near that. Yeah, it's, so. it's a dark world. All right, let's finish with this. Let's let me let me just uh, ask you guys a little bit about the criticism, okay? Only because everybody who puts up new roots, especially <laughs> bolted roots, somebody at some point is going to tell them some shitty thing about their root or that they blew this or. You know, I, I put up a route. Um, it's it's I it's an amazing climb, if I do say so myself. In the Ghost River, six pitches, four overhanging pitches, like up this giant concave wall, just like so out there, so awesome. And these guys came, you know, that did the second ascent of it. Like, <laughs> you know, they said it was amazing, it was awesome. But then, like three minutes in the conversation, at the most. They brought up this one bolt, and yes, <laughs> I had placed it in a poor place. It was, it was like I was, you know, hanging, and you're, it's overhanging, so you can't always reach and put the bolt right where you want it. And it was a little bit run out there, and like it was once I, and, and it was only afterwards that I climbed it that I realized that it was like a really hard clip. And we're talking about a route that's got like like a hundred and some bolts in it yeah. and it's this one and i was just like oh that's in a terrible place but it was in the middle of the route what am i gonna do like haul my stuff back up there and like change yeah. the bolt i only found out that it was in a bad place afterwards but he brought it up and i was yeah. just like so flabbergasted that out of all the bolts he's like yeah there was that one clip that was like really hard it's not like it was a root and rifle. It was this huge root. Yeah, an adventure yeah. climb. Yeah. Yeah. Six pitches. Like, just be yeah, glad it's bolted. But I mean, it, and I, it wasn't being like too much of a jerk about no, it, but it was no. so funny that he like yeah. focused in on this one lousy yeah. clip on yeah. this six pitch, all bolted, like entirely sport bolted. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, sorry. You know, right. like, I'll right. try harder next right. time. I'm like, you should <laughs> actually, what I said in laughingly, but with, you know, some bit of truth in it, I was like, yeah, go ahead go and move it. it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, go yeah. through the yeah, drill you know, yourself and do it. No, it's yeah. so funny. So I have a funny story about this. There's a, the, the first route I put up in Colorado, I was um, living in Estes Park the summer before my senior year of college. And there was this little area outside of there called Jurassic Park. It's just like this little sort of, it's a little sport zone there because it's right outside the boundary of the national park. And at that time, not that much had been done there. This was like 2000. Yeah, 2000. Um and so I was just looking for, I wanted to put up a route and I was looking around and I found this one spot. I was like, okay, cool. So I went out, I had a hand drill. I would go out, I was working at one of the local shops and I would get off work and I'd go out there and I'd drill one hole, you know, 45 minutes for <laughs> one hole. You know, I mean, that's what it takes, right? So I'd drill one hole and I'd leave and I'd go home and I'd come back the next day after work, get a hole in, boom. So this was like a true labor of love. 
it's only four or five bolts. It's a dinky route. I saw a guy posted on Mountain Project, you know, it was like bomb and he was just talking about how horrible it was and how loose it was and how dangerous <laughs> it was. And I was just like, okay, you know, like I was 21 years old. I didn't really totally know what I was doing, you know, like, right. And, and, and it's funny because now you go back and look at it on Mountain Project and I just looked at it the other day and. You know, people are like, oh, this is cleaned up. This is fun. The bolts are a little funky. And I put on there. I was like, go ahead and fix it. Like, I right. could care less. Ooh, like, That's yeah. a whole other issue. You know, go ahead and, and change the bolts and move them. I don't care. I was 21 years old. It was fun. I wanted to do a first ascent. There mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, I, I didn't own a power drill. I didn't know that that was cool there. You know, it was just, it was a fun thing to do. And right. But it was so funny. This guy was just so bent out of shape at how supposedly horrid this route was. Mm-hmm. Right, and he had no idea what the backstory was. Right. He had no idea yeah. that you know this was just like a college kid looking to put up a route, right. try his hardest. We had fun. We thought it climbed fun. We red pointed it right before we went home back to New York for the summer. Yeah. Okay, great. This was fun. And then this guy's <laughs> just like, this route sucks. You know, I was like, well, <laughs> man, like, come on. You ruined his day. I ruined his day by adding another <laughs> rock climb to the planet. <laughs> Sorry. Uh. So, I mean, do you guys have to, I mean, maybe you haven't encountered it as oh, much I as I think. But, well, I have, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I've heard it, you know, like every time, I, I meet people all the time, especially these uh, younger guys who are like, you know, going through CMC and I'll see them on campus. Oh, you're Mike Schneider. I've, I've done your roots. And I'm like, oh man. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whatever <laughs> happened, I'm sorry. Oh, the good ones are the bad ones. Like, <laughs> what are you going to, what are you going to dog on me for? But I think in my experience, the people that complain, like, it's more just this cultural thing. I think we have a, a easier time complaining about stuff than like just being gracious for what we have. You right. know, like I'm the kind of guy who I've never had a bad day of climbing because even if I do a climb that's not very good, it's like, well, you know, I got out. It was whatever. You know, like I have a hard time. I've never. I don't think I've ever bombed a climb on Mountain Project. You know, like uh, just because it's like a uh, it's a climb. It wasn't that great. Whatever. You know, like I think it's so easy to like criticize every little thing, but then I don't know if you walk. If you walk in someone's shoes, you know, like, and see, like, oh, you know. Well, that's the thing. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not as, as my personality isn't quite as, as, like, open to all comers as yours is, Mike. I mean, I can definitely <laughs> be like, this is bullshit and this sucks. <laughs> I mean, everybody's heard it on the show, yeah. so it's, it's no surprise. But one thing I'll say is once I did start putting up roots, like, a lot of that changed. And I'd be, and, and you know, I, I'll climb something and clip something in a really bad place, especially with bolted roots, because that's really what we're talking about. I mean, right, right. cause you have a lot of choices to make yeah. about where they go, you know, and I'll just be like, Oh yeah, he blew that one or she right. blew that one. Although a whole nother issue, but let's, it's mostly <laughs> yeah. a he, mostly he a blew, who blew that one, <laughs> you know? And I'll just be like, yeah, I, you, there's 50 reasons why he put that in the wrong place. Right. And, you know, but I think because I've like put up roots for so long, yeah. it, I've just I have more of that appreciation for what it takes. Yeah, exactly. And that things just don't always work out. Right. And there's a lot of reasons why right. the bolts are not in the right place or right. the root isn't as clean as you want it to be. Right. right. And some of that, is, I mean, there's just so many things that go into it. And you just like, ran out of time. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> well, uh, like, it just yeah. happens. And, and, yeah, it gets and dark. Energy you know, like, like, I was over it. Yeah, I mean. Well, I think you know, as long as you don't leave it dangerous, right? But I'll I think, say that. Yeah, yeah, if somebody who's been doing this a while. They're they're doing their best. Mm-hmm. If if that bolt's in a weird spot, it's because the rock was hollow. It needed to keep you off a ledge. We're sorry, it's a reachy clip. You know, right. I mean, it's, I always joke with people. You know, my wife is five foot one and a half. Can't leave that off. 
And, you know, I'll hear about it if it's a reachy clip, oh, yeah. you know, from the person that's close to me, I will, I will hear about it. So I'm very aware of that, but you know, sometimes the, the bolt has to be up there. And so we're sorry if you don't have fun, you know, just go do the next route. Yeah. It's, we're trying as hard as we can. And, um, yeah, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get into. Yeah. You, you commit yourself to putting up a route, then you're like, Oh, it didn't turn out no. maybe quite as well. Really? I mean, or sure. sometimes like I have people that have dogged me on routes where it's like, well, it's not rifle, you know, or it's not Yosemite. It's not going to be this like pristine, like sure. serenity crack. Well, serenity crack's not pristine anyway, but <laughs> that's a whole other question. But I mean, like, it's like, it's just what it is. And you should yeah. know that going into it. And if you go to any Creek, don't expect every bolt to be, or every crack to be bolted. Right. Like, right. so there's different areas and don't get mad at me. If you show up to an area and don't like the style. I think that, I, I don't know. I don't know about, I can't speak for Mike, but like, it doesn't bother me too much, you know, because I know the people who are talking about that probably haven't done a lot. But if somebody I respect and, you know, I know has done a lot of bolting says something to me that I'm going to take it seriously, you know, if Jeff right. or Dwayne yeah. or whoever's, you know, I mean, <laughs> Those guys. you know, well, it's just like they, they have a lot of experience, you know, somebody's like, hey, why did you do it like that? And right. we're going to have a, a, a good conversation. Yeah. About right, right. It, and, you know? and I'm still open to that stuff. I have roots that I bolted. Uh, you know, eight years ago, I had a root I bolted eight years ago. I had five bolts on it originally. BJ convinced me to add a six bolt to it like a few years ago. Then I was out there a few weeks ago. We added a seventh bolt <laughs> <laughs> because we knew it's going to go in the guidebook. And we're like, well, this route could be better. And right. I was with mm-hmm. somebody that said, yeah, you know, it could be better. Mm-hmm. I was like, fine. Got the drill with us. Add a bolt. Yeah. I don't care. I just want people to have fun. Well, cool. I mean, there's... Uh, this is like I've thought of 35 things to talk about, so we may have to reconvene <laughs> in, a, in a few months because, I mean, what you just got into of, of and, and you mentioned about proprietorship of like once it's been done one way, we can't touch oh, it again. That's a great. And that's like oh, we, yeah. we could go. That's one thing. <laughs> going that one for well, a that's while. one of those like the humps I've gotten over. Like, yeah. of course, we all believe that in the beginning, but now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the fact that it's like something sucks. Everyone knows it sucks, but what we, we have to change it. We have to find the guy who doesn't even climb anymore, and like yeah. sometimes you're just uh, anyway. We haven't gotten into that. There's a million yeah. other things, but we definitely got to wrap this up because you have to go back and and police I'm going to work. Police uh, young young <laughs> ladies and gentlemen in their dorms. Yeah, just last week of school. Keep them from touching each other. <laughs> They're real familiar. They're gonna listen to this. They're real like, familiar what? with each other. Oh. I'll take that out. <laughs> Isn't that pretty much your job? No. Okay. No. All right. Anyway, um, I want to thank you guys, job? not just for coming in and doing the podcast, but also like honestly, the stewardship thing. And I know you're both you guys are such promoters of climbing in the valley that it's made this valley way better for climbing than it once was and, um, and continues to be. And, uh, you know, I think that's an awesome thing. And I'd also like to say to the people out there that if you have guys like this in your community, you don't have to write them checks, although that would be nice. Because, I mean, we're talking, you know, a basic little sport climbs, 100 bucks minimum to put up with if it's got good gear in it. Yeah, at least. So make sure and thank those guys, at least to their faces, if not by giving them a little bit of checks. Is there anything else you want to say? No, you know, I'm serious. If anybody wants to learn how to bolt in the Roaring Fork Valley, come find me. Yeah, same here. I'll show you. I'll show you because I had some great mentors, and again, for me, a lot of it's given back. So you know, I'll put that out there, and uh, yeah, just you know, be thankful to the people that 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 put these things up because it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Have fun out there climbing. Yeah.
All right. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thank you. What goes up must come down. Spinning wheel got to go round. Talking about your troubles, it's a crying sin. Catch a painted pony, let the spinning wheel spin. You got no money and you got no home. Spinning wheel, spinning all alone. I hear you talking about your troubles and you never, never learn. Catch a painted pony, let the spinning wheel turn. Spinning wheel fly. <laughs>